fasten your seat belt. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. It's a 30-something movie podcast. I, I, I half thought about starting that off trying with an Irish accent, but I didn't want people to think mistakenly that this was like a Lucky Charms commercial. So, yeah, that's, that's about how that would go. I'm done trying accents on this show. They're always after me, Lucky Charms. No. Um, but, Pat, you do them so well. <laughs> I, mean, I invite you all to go back to our Hunt for an October podcast. Practically, I mean, we—that—that's what we call a showstopper, right there. Is oh, God, you could almost hear the crickets. Uh-huh. You could almost hear the crickets. Uh, we are the thirty-something movie podcast, and this time around, we are talking about the nineteen ninety-one movie, The Commitments. Uh, quick spoiler alert: we spoil freely, so be warned. Uh, we just we talk, so this is your only warning. We are also a part of the Scene Stealers Podcast Network. This episode is sponsored by Scene Stealers International Convention Agent, who have a top-class roster of movie and TV stars ready to be booked now for your Comic-Con or event. So for more information, check out www.scenestealersglobal.com. Tons of people there from uh, movies from the 80s and 90s, uh, a bunch of Cobra Kai people, um, all kinds of good stuff. So if you are in any way affiliated with a Comic-Con or event and you're wanting to have some of those folks show up at your event, go check them out at scenestealersglobal.com. Uh, if you want to check out our website, that is 30podcast.com, where you can rate the show, leave a voicemail. You can become a co-executive producer via Patreon and get access to uh, special monthly episodes that we do over there. Uh, thank you very, very much to all of our co-executive producers that uh, support us each and every month. Um, couldn't do the show without you all. So thank you so much for that. Uh, it's very, very humbling. Um, and, uh, just all, all the people that are listening in, just thank you so much for listening each and every week. And we appreciate having you here. Um, we're just having fun. So we hope you're having fun with us. Well, tonight I've got a little bit more of a full crew, I, the band, I feel like I've got some of the band together. Like we're putting together a band here and, uh, we have Bo, we have Pat gentlemen. How's it going? Doing well, well John, how are you? Good morning. Excellent. And and then there's Dennis. We Dennis is we got De- Dennis is the new backup singer. That's right. Hey. Or drummer. Whoop, whoop. What what would you rather I, be? I do more choreography, but yeah. Okay. We'll what what would you if you were going to be in a band, what would you be? I would have liked to have been um probably a bass bass okay. player. All right. This is not one of the three questions, but I the other guys, what would, what would, would you be? would be the coolest, but I I don't know. I would be also the most tiring. Okay. All right. I think they just work their butt back there. Yeah. yeah. What would you guys be, Pat, Bo? What would you? This is not a three questions thing, but it's. Can I be the manager so I don't have to be on stage? Is that sure. an option, or oh, are you talking like I have to play something? 
Bo's got a manager vibe. He does. Yeah. Like, I could see that. Getting, like, five young kids together and calling them. Careful. New addition. (laughs) Careful. (laughs) What kind of band are we talking about here? Might have mentioned at the beginning, this is a family-friendly podcast. (laughs) Most of the time. Back in the the back there. But not that friendly. Oh, man. You know, it's funny, Dennis, you mentioned playing bass. I remember a buddy of mine, Eric, uh, he was, uh, him and his brother, I went to school with them. Uh, Eric was a bass player, is a bass player, his brother's trombone player. And he was, Eric uh, played incredible upright, you know, classic, classical bass in the symphony. He played jazz bass in the jazz bands. He played electric bass in band. And anyways, he got a job. Uh, towards the end of college and he'd work during the summer and then right after school he would work and it was a great gig but he was playing at one of the casinos and they had to do different sets and there was like the western set and there was the pop set and then there was the funk set and then the soul set and he would play like you know at the casino he'd play like three hour gigs and but they were like he had to play different styles and he's just like yep here we go like and here's what i do this and then i gotta pick up the bass and play this and then he had to get the moves down he was like for the pop set it was when the spice girls were big so he's like hey check this out here's my move for the spice girls and he was like playing the bass and he'd have to get the moves down for that and then for the western set you know, i mean it was uh yeah. you know it's just um having I, i've never been like a working musician but having hung out with them, uh, it's 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 fun to like you know hear what that's like to either a be in a band or just be like a sideman that like has to be in different you know and in one night three hours of music, four or five different styles of music you got to play. It's when you mentioned bass, just made me think of that. And he had some he had some fun stories about that. So what was your instrument though? What would you play? Me trumpet. Trumpet. That's what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to figure that thing out and. There are bands that have trumpet players in them. So. Oh, yeah. And yeah. They, they didn't say whether it was rock and roll or, you know, jazz or whatever. So, Tower of Power, yeah, baby. You specified that, John, right? No, no. Yeah. Whatever, whatever yeah. you want it to be. Any band. Yeah. Well, and it's the yeah. same thing. I'm, honestly, if it, it, you know, again, you look at like any of those, like especially bands that play at weddings, like good wedding bands. I mean, they got to know a whole book and be ready to be like, what kind of music do you want? We've got it. And then if people put requests in, you know, and it's like, um, you know, they, they got to figure it out. And it is. And, and even if it's not like specific, you know, they got arrangements, they'll get horns in there. Yeah. Whole thing. So there is something special about a good wedding band too. Oh God bless it all there. Yeah. It's good stuff. John, what about you? Uh, I have no musical talent whatsoever. So in, in my little imaginary world, thank you, Bo. Um, in my little imaginary world, as long as I could be really good at whatever instrument I was going to play, um, I'm going to pick the, I would like to be the sax player from the Lost Boys. Hmm. Now, I would have to work on more than just my musical skill to be that, but, you know, I would need a yeah, lot man. of, I'd need a lot of garbage cans with fire and uh, a lot of oil. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, man. I to 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 quote groundskeeper Willie, grease me up, woman. (laughs) I know. I do I always want to play the guitar uh when I was a kid and then I just never like I my my mom had me take uh keyboard lessons and then I just kind of like I got frustrated with it and then I just never did anything else musically. So I would love to play music and I have a I have a wonderful acoustic guitar that's been sitting behind my chair in the living room for I'll see. How old is Nora? Um, 
about 10 years, maybe 11 years. Played it maybe three times. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So if they ever have, you know what? Hey, if you ever have uh, those first graders that you've got during summer school, if you ever do like a, a guitar class with a bunch of first graders, let me know because that's probably about my skill level. All right. You'll just be spinning around a chair too. That's fine. That's, that's probably more playing than I've done in the last 10 years anyway. One of these days when I take a vacation and I don't have a hundred things planned to do at home and I'm not going anywhere, I'm going to download and pay for one of those iPad apps and I'm going to learn how to play a guitar. Yeah. yeah. Autumn, That's what I've decided. Autumn bought a decent guitar. She finally brought it to Yellowstone. So hopefully she'll learn how to do something out there with it because she, same thing. She's like, you know, she has it and it sits there and, I think it's the frustration of not being good at it right away and easy. And they know that there's a curve and there's, you know, you gotta, you just don't go right to, you know, so I'm going to I'll, I'll say this for, for guitar. I mean, I'll, I, and I, I mean, I'm, I don't mean to impugn anything, but like that was one of the things that I was most nervous about getting what I do now. You know, it's like, I know band instruments, I can direct jazz, all that stuff. And then it was like general music and it was like, Oh my God, I got to teach guitar to people, you know? Um, but honestly, like uh, the music teachers, they helped kind of mentor me in. And once I've realized it, like, I don't want to say guitar is easy. And this is what I'm saying carefully. Cause I don't want to impugn it. Cause I mean, I know like it's really takes many years to get good at it and all that. But that being said, and I've even had like guitarists say this, there's so much stuff right now that's so accessible. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, YouTube videos, just go on YouTube and they can show you things that you can, like you said, like, you know, just pick up certain chords and, oh my gosh, I'm actually playing and playing stuff that sounds good. You know what I mean? Right. Cause that's hard. Like, I mean, my, my take is like, that's hard. If you're not, you know, like there's some people that'll just like, yeah, I'll get down and just play my instrument by myself and just happy as a clam and do it for hours on end. But then there's a lot of other people that are like, yeah, like I want to sound good, which is normal. I mean, that's natural. And that's where like being in a band like a school band or a school orchestra or whatever, you're with other people and you're just playing and have, but I mean, there's, there's a ton of stuff out there. And see, Pat, I, I got to tell you that I don't think that works for everybody because I I've been on YouTube and I have mm-hmm. watched the November rain music video a bunch of times and I still can't play like slash. Yeah. I, th- well, I think slash would probably fall under the category of uh, a lot of hours and years put in. Okay. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you, when I was you're zero, saying, the slash saying, factor is large. You're, you're yeah, saying that. Uh, so you're saying I need the what is it, the Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hours thing? Yeah, okay. something like that. Well, and I think that's I think that ha- has happened, and that might be like a block for, you know, slightly, you know, like when you're in a like an adult trying to learn something, it's easy to fall into that. Like, oh my gosh, like how do I get to there? And it's mm-hmm. just like, well, you know, there's I'll, steps. I, I'll our, let you, our, hey, once, once I get to be an adult, I'll let you know. One of our hosts, Jason uh, Ko, fantastic guitar player. And I remember like when I was first figuring it out, man, and he had a guitar club at school. And I remember asking him, hey, can you just help me out? Like I'm trying to teach stuff and break it down for the kids, just something. And he'd come into class and like, I just kind of like look at how he broke things down and how he ran the guitar club and everything. And and he talked about that too. Cause, and it's, it's funny because like you can, even if you're learning tunes that are, you know, like we're teaching the kids songs that are like maybe folk songs that are not of their typical, like they hear these songs all the time and all, but Jason's big thing when he teach kids are like, Hey, even if you're, these songs are like your vehicle, the chords and the basics and the fundamentals that you learn, you can take those and like apply them to any, you know, any music and 
all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Just like I said, I have very, very rudimentary guitar skills. All right. So. Well, our movie this time around is The Commitments, uh, full of music in this movie, oh. full of some great music. Uh, the release date on this one was 14th of August, 1991, rated R, with a runtime of one hour, 58 minutes, directed by Alan Parker, who died in 2020. Uh, he also directed Evita and Mississippi Burning. Producers on this one were Linda Miles and Roger Randall Cutler. Uh, Miles did Killing Me Softly and Defense of the Realm. Randall Cutler did The Railway Station Man and Sour Sweet. Writers for this one were Roddy Doyle, who did the novel and screenplay, uh, Dick Clement, who did the screenplay, and Ian Lafrenet, who also did the screenplay. Uh, Doyle also wrote for a movie called Rosie, and then Clement and Frenet also did The Bank Job. Cinematography by Gail Tattersall, who also did Tank Girl in the TV series House. Music was done by Wilson Pickett, who died in 2006. Uh, this is Wilson Pickett's only composing credit. A lot of other credits for being on the soundtrack of other movies, but... Um, only composing credit was for this one. Uh, budget was 15 million. Box office was 15 million. So did not necessarily make any of its money back. Uh, Flick metrics gave it a 77%. Cinema score gives it an A. Robert Arkins played Jimmy Rabbit. He was in the comeback. Michael Ahern played Stephen Clifford. He was in the commitments. This is only, I think it's only credit. Uh, Angeline Ball played Imelda Quirk. She was in. Uh, are, are you going to be okay there? Do you need a moment? I'm fine. Okay. All right. Uh, she was in Bloom, The General, and Pat's Dreams. Uh, Maria Doyle Kennedy played Natalie Murphy. She was in The Tudors, Orphan Black, and Outlander. Dave Finnegan played Micah Wallace. He was in Into the West and the Spirit of Edredor. Brona Gallagher uh, was Bernie Mc... I'm going to mess that name up. Bernie McGlough. Let's try that one more time. <laughs> Bernie. I'm just going to say Bernie. She played Bernie. See, it's, and already the name Brona, I think we were talking in one of the last episodes or before we started recording, there's, there's a news reporter named Brona uh, in, in Chicago and has a very nice Irish accent. And a lot of times we'll just stop everything we're doing. My wife and I will just stop everything and be like, I don't care what she's reporting on tonight. I'm just going to listen. I don't even know what the words are. Just listening. Uh, but anyway, Brona played Bernie. She was also in Pulp Fiction and Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Phelim Gormley. Played Dean Fay, was in a movie called Poison Pen. Glenn Hansard played Outspan Foster, who was a composer or music department for the movie Once and the movie Sing Street. Johnny Murphy, who died in 2016, played Joey the Lips Fagan, who was in Waiting for Godot and Angela's Ashes. Ken McCluskey played Derek Scully, who was in Far and Away. Andrew Strong played Deco Cuff, he was in The Commitments. Uh, Cole Meany played Mr. Rabbit, he was in Star Trek and Hell on Wheels. Anne Kent played Mrs. Rabbit. She was in P.S. I Love You and the TV series Primeval. And then Andrea Kaur played Sharon Rabbit. She was in Evita and the boys and girl from County Clare. Jimmy, Jimmy <sighs> that's Rabbit. An, that's an another great movie, boys. by the way. Boys yeah. and Girls. If you like Irish and music, Boys and Girls in County Clare. Yeah. And that was, I, don't, I don't remember what year that one is, but it's a little bit, a little bit later. Yeah, it was later. Yeah. Uh, so Jimmy Rabbit, a self-proclaimed promoter, decides to organize an R&B group to fill the musical void in his hometown of Dublin, Ireland. The band comes together but ends up consisting entirely of white musicians who have little experience with the genre. Even though their raw talent and lofty aspirations gain the group notoriety, the pitfalls of fame begin to tear at their newfound friendships as they prepare for their big show. It's based on the novel by Roddy Doyle. Hey, what's this? What's what? Have you got soul? If so, the world's hardest working band is looking for you. Contact Jay Rabbit. I'm putting a band together. Do you need a singer? 
wise men say. Who are your influences? Led Zeppelin. Sinead O'Connor. Uh, Barry Manilow. John Bias. Uh, Johnny Mitchell. Uh... Wings. Well, what kind of music are we going to be playing, Jimmy? Soul. Soul? That's what you've got to measure up to, lads. Well, like, maybe we're a little white. See if you could play before I pay for them. You're trying to tell me you play with BB King, Marta Reeves, Sam Cooke, Aldous Redding. Lads, you're looking at the commitment test. Brilliant management, brother Rabbit. <laughs> on a professional basis. <laughs> How are we professional if we've never been paid? It feels much better being an unemployed musician than an unemployed pipe fitter. All you gotta do Well, for this one, uh, we'll start off as we always do. Um, what? Uh, how does this movie make you feel? And you can add in there, is this the first time you've seen this one or not? So I'll, I'll start off this one. Um, I, I thought it was really fun. Like, it was fun. It was great music. Uh, first time I had seen it, so I had no experience with this one before. Same here. Hadn't seen it before. Um, really enjoyed it. It was very fun. The soundtrack was amazing. I saw it. Uh, I saw it. Not the year it came out, but I would say maybe a couple years after. You know, when I was early on in high school. And uh, how does it make me feel? It gives me all the feels. Okay. Uh, did not see it at the theater. Um, did see it like Pat probably said, probably a couple when it came out on VHS or, or was on TV or cable or something back then. I remember what they had back then. It's been so long, but, um, uh, big part of it for me was MTV was playing, um, the uh, try a little tenderness video a lot. And that song, like, I just got hooked on that. So that was just like the characters. The, the actors and actresses um and then so it was a, it was just like i gotta see this movie so then I, somehow we came across it either at the the at the sorry at the video store or on tv and we watched it and i remember a couple of my brothers watching it with me and love the music love the soundtrack yeah like, and i think you know just it's a good it's a cute little i guess i thought it would lower budget than it is i didn't know it was the budget we just read but um and that didn't make money but um i knew it was a lower i felt like more like a lower independent type of film but yeah, kind of so. wasn't i guess in a way 15 million is a pretty big budget back then 
So yeah, it was satisfy- satisfying. I'll put that. That's my word. It made me feel satisfied. There we go. It's a satisfying movie. So one of the first things that I read about this one was, uh, and the premise of the movie is that uh, Jimmy is trying to put a band together. He is, um, I, I think he, if, I don't know if maybe I, if I missed this or not, but I think he either recently dropped out of school or he something something about him in school was not going well. Um, and so he was looking for, for something else to do, something that was going to inspire him. And the idea was he was going to put together a band and he felt that it needed to be soul music, even though nobody else around was playing any soul music. And some of them thought it was kind of old fashioned, you know, he, he goes into that whole spiel about soul is the music of the working people. You know, it's got, it's, it's simple. It's got a rhythm and a beat to it and it's simple, but it's also, you know, it, it embodies everything that the working class embodies as well. And that's kind of his, his driving thing at the beginning of the movie there. Um, one of the things that I read early on about this movie, you know, try not to read anything about the plot, but, um, you know, after having watched it, read a couple of different things. And one of the things said, this movie did not do well in North America. Um, so, you know, it, it, it did pretty well in, uh, in Europe, or did it, it did definitely well in Ireland. Um, but since then, it has become, and I've read this in a couple of different places, uh, sometimes considered one of the best Irish movies ever made. Um, so, I, I, admittedly, I will say that I have not seen, I don't think I can say I've seen enough Irish movies to be able to say, oh yeah, I, from my experience, it's definitely the best Irish movie ever made. Um, I've seen a few, but but not enough of that. So, obviously... There was something that, even if it didn't hook uh, American audiences when it came out in the theaters, there's something that is memorable. There's something that just gets to the core uh, of of the Irish identity, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, so, what did you feel when you saw this movie, whether it was the first time or whether you'd seen it, you know, back when it kind of came out? Um, what's most memorable about this movie to you? When you saw this movie was on the list, you saw the commitments or bow for you and I when we watched it the first time. Uh, what is it that stuck with you or what was it that was like, Oh, the commitments, that one's coming up. Well, for myself, this, the uh, commando, when that came out, that was a movie. When we did that, I hadn't seen it. I didn't know how much I'd been missing till I saw it. And it was like, awesome. This movie, I remember seeing it and I've seen it a couple of times and I had forgotten how awesome this movie was. So when that came up again, I'm like, Oh yeah, the commitments because I had seen the movie in high school and maybe once or twice in high school. And then maybe once again in college, this might only have been maybe the second or third time that I've seen it. And I had forgotten or not realized just how awesome the movie was because I saw it as a kid. Now, that being said, I've probably listened to the soundtrack at least six billion times in the last however many years. In fact, like when I was like, man, we got to go back and do that Patreon episode with favorite albums of 91 because the commitment soundtrack maybe should be my honorable mention because I and and so what made me excited, like for me, the music, because like, you know, when I got to high school going into high school, before high school, all I listened to was like big band swing music. Right. And you know, eighties rock. And that was all big. When I got to high school and suddenly like, I just, my eyes got open to all the different jazz music out there and all 
as far as like rock and pop and all that, basically what I was listening to was this. I was listening to soul music, R&B, like jazz rock from the 70s, like Blood, Sweat and Tears or Chase or Chicago. And then, like I said, going back soul music. I mean, obviously we talked Tower of Power and then everybody that they were talking about in here, you know, um, uh, um, Wilson Pickett, the uh, um, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, like that's what I listened to. Like I couldn't get enough of that. And so when this movie came out, um, or it came up, I should say, and it came up because my band director was talking to me about it. I, I think I was like a freshman or sophomore. He's like, oh, Pat, you got to go see the commitments. It's it's awesome. And then he talked about the trumpet player and some of his peculiarities. He's like, you'll love it. It's great. And then a, a buddy of mine, this movie was huge in their house. And so it was at a sleepover. It's like, yeah, you got to, you got to, we got to watch the commitments. And so I watched it at his house and I'm just like, this is, this is amazing, you know? And I mean, it was the Irish thing and, uh, you know, um, you know, like I, I, I love Ireland and, and studying about Ireland and my heritage, Ireland. So it kind of combined these two different, uh, 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 parts of my life that are kind of important to me. And so, yeah, when it, um, when it came up that, Oh yeah, we're doing the commitments. This is awesome. It was just that fantastic music. And I mean, it's soul music. Of course it's awesome. Right. Cause it, like you said, it's simple. It's, it's soul music. I mean, it just feels good. Um, and, and just seeing, you know, seeing Ireland on the big screen is, is pretty cool. So anyways, that's when I, when I saw that we were doing it, I, uh, I was very excited. What about you guys, Dennis? What about you? Um, so what was the, the specific question was what now exactly when I, what's, what was most memorable? What's, you know, since, especially since you saw this movie kind of early on, what's most memorable about this when you saw this was on the list, you say the commitments, I automatically think back to the, the try a little tenderness video and the music and that song and that performance also midnight hour. Um, those are the two that stand out probably the most to me. And I just remember, you know, I remember that performance in the movie and that film, and I just, like, that's what I think of the most. And I remember a lot of drama, you know, like, there's the drama and the friendships and all the things breaking up. It's kind of like the whole band thing, and you get a band together, and it always goes wrong with the band, and then, you know, people and personalities get in the way and break up a band, you know? So it kind of is not not the formula, but that's, you know, that happens with bands. It's like people are, who are together all the time, and, you know, and anyway. So I just kind of remember the drama of the friendships vaguely, but I remember more the music is what stood out for me. And I was 21 at the time. Um, I do have, uh, when you said, I was like, Oh, I got, uh, I know I, I have four of the songs. I was just checking. I've got, um, on my Apple, you know, playlist, it was Mustang for Sally. It was the two I mentioned, try a little tenderness, midnight hour. And what was the last one? Um, I think the last one was, I have one more on there. Anyway, um, I'll have to look for what that one was. But anyway, so the, the whole thing with it was just like it's it's on my iPhone. Like I, I was I was impressed with the movie enough back then that those songs made onto my library for my iPhone. You know, and and it's kind of interesting because I while when Pat says everybody loves R and B, I I I agree with you. There's a certain passion to that, but that was not my go to song genre. So this movie is something that added that to my library. 
you know and it's like certain there's certain artists that like invite different areas of different music and different genres into you and you go well man this is the reason i started listening to this you know or this was because of enya you know so i started listening to this type of music and, and it might not be music you normally would you know walk around and play all the time but now all of a sudden you're getting introduced to things you're like wow that's you know that's got something to it and, and while i knew those songs and a lot of them their passion and, and you know uh performance um you know makes you just kind of want to hop on board so yeah as far as Irish movies, I'm sure we'll get into this conversation. It's like, I would probably say, yeah, that probably, if I, if I thought about, I, I don't, the best Irish movie, no, but for this category, it's second best. And I'll give you a, my number one later on, but, um, but it's second, probably second best, especially this kind of category, genre, style, drama, because I can't put, you know, in the name of the father, I can't put, um, you know, uh, there's the, the boxer, there's a bunch of other ones out there that are, you know, excellent, excellent films. Um, so I feel like from a greater standpoint, they're above that, but again, I, I don't want that to take away from this one, but as far as musical category, yeah, it's going to be number two on my list for Irish films. Bo, what about you? Haven't seen this for the first time. What's, what's memorable about this one after one viewing? You know, after it's funny you say after one viewing because I really feel like it needs a second one um, to process some of it because there's a there's some there's some moments when there's a lot happening. Um, I like some of the more like early on when they're showing the um, the more neighborhood Irish stuff w was really fun for me. Like just the you know running out the back of the house and the neighbor next door saying. Oh, you're starting a band, and just that whole the the kind of um, mm -hmm. freneticness of that whole audition sequence was really fun. Um, you could tell they were trying to sort of give you that um, that Dublin perspective. You know, the the line I think you referenced it. I think it's in the part of it's in the trailer, but not the whole line um, where Jimmy Rabbit goes. Do you not get it, lads? The Irish are the blacks of Europe, and the Dubliners are the blacks of Ireland, and the Northside Dubliners are the blacks of Dublin. So say it once, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. I think the last bit of that is in the trailer. Yeah. Um, but it was that. It was the them trying to show that that I think grabbed me at the beginning and kept me kept me interested and then of course everyone's mentioned it but you have to mention the soundtrack when you talk about this movie um it just keeps going like i was it was going to comment on a couple of the songs but then i just kept scrolling on imdb and i'm like no i think i just need to say the soundtrack <laughs> yeah i for me i think one of the most memorable pieces of this is the of course we've all said the soundtrack the the songs that are in it um the Dennis, I think you said it like the, the frenetic pace of trying to put the band together and then all the arguments and the, you know, those different scenes. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the other things for me that kind of stood out watching it this time was watching it for this first time was just kind of the different depictions of, you know, it's, it's a movie about putting a band together, but you're also depicting what life looks like in working class Dublin. And so you've got all these scenes, you know, it's, it's, the, the sets are not clean movie sets. It's your, you've got kids playing on, you know, playground equipment that looks industrial. 
you've got, um, you know, these apartment buildings and you've got just people, just kids running around and playing in the street. And, and it's, it's all these very kind of worn down and, you know, he, he makes the comment when he's in the unemployment line, ah, we're a third world country. What are you going to do? Um, you know, and it, in some of those different scenes, it, it kind of shows you, I think, especially from an American perspective. And I, and I know this is, you know, from 30 years ago, but I think a lot of times if you say Ireland, you know, people's first vision of that is the rolling green hills and, you know, stuff like that. And it's, oh, of course, Ireland's very beautiful. And it, well, Ireland has cities and, you know, not all the people in all those cities are, are in great financial states. So I think that was one of the things, too, that stood out to me is I was glad they did that. I was like, I think that really gives you a good grounding of where these people are at. And I think kind of my, I guess, getting a little deeper into it is when Jimmy introduces the idea of why soul, like why are we choosing soul music, he goes into that whole, you know, kind of monologue of, you know, it's people understand it. It's basic. It's simple. Um, I think he, he says it's honest. Um and then he kind of finishes that by saying, I won't say the last word because we try to be family friendly, but uh, he's like, it, it takes you somewhere else. Um, here, I, I found it. It takes you somewhere else. It grabs you by the balls and lifts you above the last word there. Um, and then I'm actually going to jump to, um, and I had to look this one up too. I meant to write it down, but I, I missed it. So I found it here. Go to the end of the movie. And Joey the Lips is trying to explain to Jimmy what he's accomplished. He's like, this has all failed. Like, everything fell apart. We didn't get, we didn't get paid. We didn't get gigs. We didn't make any albums. We didn't. He's like, look, I, I know eventually you're going to realize what you've actually done here. Um, and his line, I thought, did a nice callback to Jimmy's first reason why. Why do you do soul? Because it you know, grabs you and it lifts you above your situation. Um, and I love Jimmy's line. I thought that... that uh, you know, uh, Joey's line, I'm sorry. I thought that that kind of hit the entire point of the movie. And he says, uh, he says to Jimmy, you're missing the point. The success of the band was irrelevant. You raised their expectations of life and you lifted their horizons. I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. Because going through the movie, I mean, I'm kind of looking at it as I'm basically watching a band kind of get put together and then completely fall apart. And even as a viewer, I'm looking at that going, well, what the heck have I been watching this movie for? Like the whole thing fell apart and everybody failed. And, and then it kind of like, you know, Joey brought that back at the end. He's like, no, 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 that, that wasn't the point. The success of the band was not the point. You took them from where they were at and you kind of raised their expectations. You showed them that there was something else that they could kind of rise above, you know, work in a factory job or rise above the unemployment line. And there's, there's something more to that. You know, they may not, they may not ever leave this situation, but they know that there's something more that they could try to shoot for. So I, that part, I, I liked, I liked how they portrayed kind of the, the living and working conditions of, of all the people that were in this band. Yeah. It's easy to, it's easy to think, you know, especially, <clears throat> you know, when you're talking about Ireland, it's easy to think of it as almost like an, uh, uh, a Epcot center, you know, place, you know, like it's, and um, you know, it's, it's, real country with real people and real struggles and all that. And I, I, everything you just, you guys all were saying, like, I, I totally agree. I like how it and where it's set in Ireland and how it's set and everything like that. Um, I want to say too, it's set in 1991. I mean, it's 
30 years, and now they were down in Dublin, but still in all, they were 30 years, that's 30 years closer to the Troubles, right? That, yeah. I, wasn't it, wasn't it 97 was the Good Friday Peace Accords? I want to say that was 90. So, I mean, you're still so. before that. And um, I, and I want to say I could, I, I could be way off in this. And so, obviously, our listeners in Ireland, please forgive me if I got it wrong, but I, I want to say that a lot of, like, the tourism and that, that economic um, thing of getting people touring and, and, and really building up Ireland, I think that happened throughout the 90s, right? And now yeah. I'm not, obviously, those things don't have necessarily a tendency to affect all the strata of society. So, but I mean, it, what's, what's uh, compelling about this movie is that, you know, we're looking back 30 years and there's, there's been a lot of change up and down with the economy and uh, um, you know, they're, they're obviously like, I'm just repeating myself, but it's a real country with real struggles. And like I said, not, I mean, it's 30 years closer to, pretty much open warfare going on in different sections of, 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 uh, of the country. So, well, and that's, that's one of the things when we, when we lived over there, um, we lived in England and I remember as a kid, like that was one of my first memories um, because especially we had family that would send us Christmas gifts in the mail um, from the States. And that was some of the stuff I remember. I vividly remember the news stories of, you know, people would open up, you know, people in England would, or, or other places, would receive packages, they'd open them up, and they would explode. And mm-hmm. so, especially around Christmas time, there was a big push, there was like a big kind of, uh, you know, PSA kind of thing going on of, you know, be very careful if you get a package and you don't recognize who it's from, or if it's unmarked, uh, you can bring it to the post office, and, and we'll have, you know, we can inspect it for you, or bring it to the police station, or, or whatever. And I remember the news reports of, you know, I, th- I think there were even, um, I think there was like a, not long after we got there, there was a mortar attack uh, at, at number 10 Downing Street um, in London. And, and I just, I vividly remember some of that stuff. And I didn't really think much about it, you know, because when, when we went to Ireland, we went to Dublin. and We pretty much stayed kind of in, in and around that area. Um, and as a kid, other than hearing some of that stuff on the news, didn't really have a sense of what was truly going on there. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, it was definitely in the news a lot when we were over there. We were there from 91 to 90, is it like late 93? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to say it was like late 93. Um, so, I mean, we were, we were there for about two and a half years or so. And, and I remember pretty constantly it's on the news because mm-hmm. that's kind of at the tail end of a lot of it. I mean, you, you get to, like you said, I think it was mid to late nineties when they finally had the you know, the, the ceasefires. And I think that happened right after we left. I want to say that was mid nineties. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just, um, so in a way, I mean, it's really, you know, the, from you asked what was the most memorable part and, you know, my gut reaction, you know, like I said, the music, but in many ways, like, yeah, this music was, this movie was, was a, was a, a showpiece, a way to, to share soul music with the, you know, get that out there with the world and show people that seemingly unlikely, like how come these musicians are playing soul music? Um, but in many ways, it was just basically a story about people, working people, and the music was kind of the vehicle. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
So, yeah, there's uh, just two quotes like a lot of times when I'm like looking at that movie, I'll, I will go back to see how it was received, you know, because I'm always curious, like, I like that movie, the other people like it, or what's the criticism of it, you know? Right. So you try to go free. So a lot of times Rotten Tomatoes, but anyway, I just, this isn't going into somebody's whole review, it's just two quotes about it that I think just sum it up, like, I thought pretty well. Uh, some of what we're, we've been talking about too is one guy had said uh, does a remarkable job of balancing um, a feel of lower class life with the sheer exuberance the music brings, which again you have that gritty sort of like you know here's the life of of, of where they're at and and their culture and community, and then you have the music and there's that moment of almost perfection strike you know lightning in a bottle that they kind of strike. But uh, and then the other one was this film offers no message, no solutions, only a great time at the movies. Richard Corliss, Time Magazine. That said that, and I think when we first started saying like it was just a fun time, it was just a good, it's just a good movie. Like it's a good movie, but yeah, I mean, is it some groundbreaking? I don't. But it's interesting because some people are talking now and saying that there's deeper things that may also be there. So maybe it is a little bit smarter than we I initially gave it credit for in terms of diving into diff- different places. But well, I was, I was yeah. going to ask you guys that. My you know, one of my I have like a, a list of questions a lot of time that when when we analyze a movie or we talk about a movie um one of them one of the questions that sometimes will pull up is um this movie the in terms of the substance of the movie um was it made to entertain was it made to educate or to bring an awareness to something and i think it sounds like first reactions is oh it's made to entertain it's you know the music was awesome it's entertaining um do you think that when they you know when, when they made the movie was that the main thing? Was the main thing to entertain and say, hey, here's a great movie about a bunch of people putting a band together and, and trying to you know rise up above stuff, or do you think there's something more to it? And those are not mutually exclusive. I mean, you can still have, you have both. I don't know. I mean, like, like I think both said might need required a second, another viewing, even though I've had two. Um, one was very far away, and at that time I had no expectations for any of that. I remember just thinking... Music video, MTV, love that song. When's the song going to be in the movie? You know, that's when you started thinking at first. And then you're watching the movie, you're like, it's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is good. This is a fun movie. Oh, and here's that song. And there's other songs. And the whole movie's good. You know, and that's kind of how I was back then. So um, watching it, like, it literally wasn't something where I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a great film. I just thought, you know, oh, it's got that good song in it. And we've been watching it on MTV, like, all repeatedly over and over. Well, and, and, you know, it's kind of like uh, lower and in terms of that, I didn't go into it with, with a, you know, like you watching it for this, this podcast might have had a different approach or me, like at the time being 20, it was just kind of like, okay, maybe I get through the whole movie. Maybe I just get to that song. Maybe I fast forward just to that song and don't watch the movie. I almost thought like that at the time for some reason, um, thinking about, it. and then, then we were, we were glued, you know, glued to it. So. And, and you know, the, my, my question would be, Obviously, like, I, I would want, you know, I could hazard a guess on, you know, what the thing was, but you'd almost need to talk to the, the director, you know, like, hey, here was my vision. Because, you know, how many times are, you know, do you hear where, like, someone puts something out there and, well, what we were talking on our Patreon, the, you know, I was all excited about the Guns of Navarone because it's a great adventure movie. And they all wanted it to be like a pacifistic anti-war commentary, right? And, uh you know, like we've talked about, what was the other one? Another real, completely on a tangent. Um, the one about the sci-fi battle 
army goes and fights bugs to throw asteroids at Earth and yeah, um, Starship uh, Troopers. Starship Troopers, yeah. And that was something that I've I've listened to, like, and that there's a debate on that, like, okay, is this tongue in cheek? Is this legit? Is this just a story? You know, so there's still, and and I mean that would be something you know would be interesting to see what the director um, uh, uh, intention was, and and you know you mentioned that the one. Uh, critic was saying like uh, yeah so the movie didn't you know it was entertaining but didn't offer any solutions and all that and I, I don't want to like get my Irish up here but it was kind of like what what do you think we should put in the movie as far as a solution and well, then are we all criticizing it that quote wasn't criticizing it. oh okay and he said it was a fun it's just a really fun movie he says it, in other words saying like People are criticized. Some of the criticism when you read some of the reviews is like it didn't do this or it didn't do enough of this. And he right. was just sort of saying it didn't offer it. Didn't, that wasn't the point. Like it was, right. it was a fun movie and it's a good movie and there is some stuff in there, but don't go looking for something it's not supposed to be. Gotcha. Yeah. And well, and then so they this quote was... was actually a positive quote. It sounded like okay. it's big, but it's not when he says it offers no solutions. Like in the end, I mean, yeah, like John said, he was watching and he's like, wait a second, they get the band together and now they're breaking up. And it's like, <laughs> Yeah. So there is no solution. Like it doesn't get solved. Like they don't get back together, you know? Right. And, and then, and okay. So the one you were quoting was like a, like a, a rebuttal towards that. Well, and I guess yeah. towards that, my, my question would be like, well, again, to whoever, how would you rewrite the movie? Here's, and Dennis, I know this is a point that you often, when you're analyzing a movie and taking a, like a devil's advocate approach, okay, how would you do it differently? Or how would, you know, and it's like, okay, how would we change that movie? In terms of, I mean, give it the happy ending, they get the record contract. Okay, maybe. I mean, would that have as much emotional gut punch? Would that be as realistic? Would or, it be? Yeah, or do they dig into like the deeper, the, the friendship stuff? And that's because if you, I mean, is do less comedy, you know, because it's, I think it's a funny movie. There's like always a, always a wisecrack somewhere, you know, there's, right. it's, but it's not, but not, yeah. it doesn't seem to, to my, I mean, I get what you like, totally agree. Hard agree on that, but it doesn't seem like contrived comedic. No. Let's like no, no, you no, know no. that there's people like that, like all those characters. Yeah, all those characters character. seem real. That's my. You point. know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah, it's not like they're. That's what I'm saying. So when you ask the when you're asking this hypothetical person, whoever it is, like, what would you do differently? Like, I'm mean, if you go any other way, then the movie doesn't become what it was. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go more into the serious stuff, if you go more into the drama and the relationships, more stuff even heavier into that, and they go into all of them, they just don't go into one. <laughs> commitments they don't commit to one you know like one thing other than really the music in a way i think is what they commit to the most um but like i said there is there's tons of funny parts in there but i don't see it as just a comedy there's a tons of dramatic parts in there but i don't see it just so i think it works the way it is and so whoever that person is they're just missing the point if they would have created or done something differently i think then it ceases to become yeah worth talking about in some way i mean maybe i don't know you know you never know but yeah. It's money, there, money quarterback, money morning quarterback thing, you know. There is no normal life, Wyatt. There's only life. And I think, and like you said, the comedy isn't over the top, like silly trying to be comedy. It's very subtle, and it's just done in an organic way where it is the characters and people. And you know people like that in life who are like, it's just funny in that way, you know. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. I did find uh, there is actually an article written by the director himself on the making of the movie. It's on his website, uh, alanparker.com. And I did find he had a he had a section in here where he talked about scouting the locations for it. 
And he says, um, so this is directly from his website. It was our intention at all times to avoid the picture postcard locales traditionally associated with Ireland and show a contemporary urban world, a little different from uh, viridescent romantic notions normally associated with films about Ireland. Gradually, we put together a patchwork of places, streets, and buildings of a world we could see but not find in one place. Not for the first time, I found myself climbing walls, avoiding guard dogs, and knocking on doors of the occupants seemed cheery cherry about opening uh in dublin it's not unusual to climb a ladder to get from one part of a garden to another and i put this in the script at joey's mother's house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah i mean definitely a definitely uh because originally i guess in the original book it's a fictional town or a fictional neighborhood that's supposed to be in northern dublin um and so they just kind of i guess they as they were working with the writer they're like well what if we you know what if we find some of these different locations and and you know we we try to piece this together as best we can it's it's not going to be the you know try to try to picture what your fictional location would look like while still using these real actual neighborhoods in in dublin mm-hmm. yeah 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 one of the other funny things that i read about this movie was after having watched it what i read was that a lot of the people in this movie um had some of them had no musical experience at all until this movie and there were maybe a couple that actually had some experience. Um, and then there were a couple that, because of this movie, they started a band. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of an interesting mixture of, you know, you, you had somebody like um, Maria, <clears throat> Maria Doyle Kennedy was already, I think she was already a singer in a band before she played one of the backup singers um, in this movie. And then I think a, a couple of the others too, but then it said, uh, read in a couple of different places, um, was it Joey the Lips and uh, was it Bernie? Those two characters, those actors um, had no musical experience whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And one of the younger sisters in that opening sequence, she's one of the sisters from the band The Coors. And all three, yeah. I think they said that there's some small parts, and I saw in the trivia part that like all three of the core sisters are actually in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah, smaller roles or small kind of parts in it, but yeah, yeah. Sure. And Glenn Hansard, so yeah, from once, which is there anything in this movie that doesn't work? Like, is there anything you watch this movie, or if you've watched it again? You're like, all right, I, I love I love the music, I love this, I love it, but this this kind of drives me nuts. Or this just doesn't quite work for me. I don't like getting old. <laughs> I watched this movie okay. and man, Colin Meany seemed like dad age. And um the backup singers were like like no, a couple years older, you know, old enough that it's just like, holy cow, I can't talk to girls like that, you mm-hmm. know. And all this kind of thing. And now Colomini, I'm like, oh my God, he looks so young now. Uh-huh. And and now I feel more like the trumpet player when I look at the backup singers. I'm just like, oh, that okay. They're like, yeah. they could be like my daughter's age, not my current daughter's age, right. but potentially, you know, if I start families, if my family started as soon as some of their families were starting, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I don't like getting old. Well, that was... Uh my lovely wife, when we were watching this, um, we didn't recognize, well, she recognized um, uh, Maria Kennedy from Outlander and we watched Orphan Black. So we, we recognized her from that. 
Um, she recognized Cole Meany from Hell on Wheels because we used to watch that all the time. Um, but sh- she asked me, she's like, I always like to kind of put a frame, frame of reference to this. How old is he? Uh, how old is Hell, of Wheel- Hell on Wheels guy in this movie? And I, was, I looked it up. I was like, well, he was 38 at the time they yeah, made this movie. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a couple years older than that now, so I'm looking at that. I'm going, oh, man, that's, that's right. That's a little rough. Like, yeah. he's playing the dad in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say the the thing for me that, I don't want to say it didn't work, but it was the thing that kind of threw me off a little bit. Two things, but, but kind of related, is that because there were so many people in the band, I sometimes lost track of some of the minor characters. Like, I, I knew the major mm-hmm. ones, and I knew their personalities, like, like I knew, um, you know, I, I knew Deco and I knew uh, Jimmy and I knew Imelda and I, you know, I, I knew some of those characters, but then there were some of the other ones that were kind of off to the, the periphery just a little bit. And I was like, yeah, sometimes they kind of get lost and their, their personalities get a little bit lost for me as I'm trying to follow the, the story of this. And then some of it too was, and, and I get it. And, and that's, that's how it was meant to be, but some of the times when everybody starts arguing and it just becomes this just massive pile of just people arguing and, and throwing punches and shoving each other and, and insults and everything else. And, and some of that, as it went on a little bit longer than I expected it to, I'm just sitting there going, all right, uh, I get it. They're fighting. Um, let's, let's have them fight and, and let's, let's cut to another scene here. So there were just a couple of times where I was like, all right, no, I get, the, I get that there's conflict in the band. I understand that. You've shown me there's conflict. Cool. Um, I want to see something else now. Like I, And there can still be conflict. That's not to say the conflict is bad. I just, there were several times that as it just it devolved into just a, a brawl, almost like a, a verbal and sometimes physical brawl, uh, there were some times where I was like, all right, this is like fight number seven in the last half hour. So um, let's go on. Let's let's do something else here. So I, for me well, personally. it wasn't even always within the band. I mean, you also had that right. one fight at the, at the one show where it wasn't even an internal fight. It was another fight. Right. Right. And you know, it's not, I'm not averse to fighting in my movies and I know that it fits, it fit with the story. It fit with the tension. It fit everything else. But just me personally, I was like, all right, after the sixth or seventh fight, I'm like, I get it. Everybody's fighting. Personalities are not getting along. This is the band, you know, in the process of breaking up. Okay cool let's let's move on now let's, let's move on to the next thing oh are you referring to the time that uh uh the guys came to collect on the money and they yes. started roughing jimmy up and then who's the uh-huh. it was the bouncer slash the drummer what was his name again um i i can't i can't remember his name anyways he stands up and runs off the set and just he takes down like three of those guys yeah. all by himself and, and, they and got the him. band's still playing like <laughs> Yeah, but even that, they had it it figured out that it was like the the backup singers are like, I forget what song they were singing, but it was like, chain, 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 you know, and and it was like, boom, 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 keep playing. And they're like, okay. And they just kind of kept that going to where it was like, I mean, that was like legit. Like it wasn't like the full band all dubbed in there. And he's throwing guys off. It's just like, he's got, he's got like three guys on top of me, takes them all down. The one guy's like got a busted face and he gets back up there and he's just like covered with blood and our drummer. Hey, and then they kick right back into the song. I 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. That's funny stuff. Or the first gig where the kid kept on getting on the soundboard. That was yes. funny. Like, yeah. it's, like every time Rabbit, or, um, yeah, that's what they called him, Rabbit, right? Yeah. Brother Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah. Brother Rabbit. Every Rabbit. time he, yeah, every time he went back to the soundboard, he had to shove the same kid. <laughs> and it was he just get off the soundboard. Goes back, get off the bloody soundboard. He keeps just shoving that kid out of the way. <laughs> oh man. Man, I don't think I have any complaints. Like I, I'm sitting there trying to think. The only thing that ever like bothered me when I was watching the movie, when I say it bothered, it's nothing that anybody can control really, other than turning on your subtitles, is sometimes missing dialogue because of the accents. You know, sometimes. Yeah. That's it. Like you're like you're like wait wait what did they just say? And you gotta go back and play a little bit. Oh, okay, that's all I said. You know, so that that but that's that, you know that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. What talk American? You know. It's not going to work. I liked when he had to work. Speaking of that, when he had to work with them and their accent, what was the first tune? No, 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 no. You're saying it wrong. It's not. Yeah. Uh, what was the tune? Oh, shoot. Not Mustang yeah. Sally. No, it wasn't that one. It was. Uh, no, it's not. Oi, oi. It's not that. You sound like you're bloody Irish. You yeah. got it. You know, and to get the right. I'm going to see if that shows up in the quotes somewhere. Because, yeah, that's good. But I, I liked how they showed, like, you know, and they had they had a little bit of it. I mean, they didn't bog down in, like, music stuff. Just yell out when you if you if you find the quote. But, you know, yep. it showed them, it showed them, like, uh, watching, watching James Brown, right? Listening to the music, um, bringing in, um, you know, the guy that was supposed to be experienced, but you're never quite sure if he's full of if he's full of malarkey or if he's legit, like been on the road with all these guys, but it was just like, yeah, this is what you need to do to sound like this. This is what you need to do to, you know, you know, so they were like trying to like authentically make good music, you know? And I thought that was a cool depiction. The Lord sent me and the Lord blows my trumpet. Mm -hmm. Have you ever used that line, Pat? I, I have not. Okay. I have not. Anybody that's heard me play trumpet will not will, will vouch for the fact that I don't think there's been there nothing divine, <laughs> nothing divine has come from from my trumpet playing. But you know the way I see it, I just can I'll just keep playing for the rest of my life. And you can't you know however long I live, if I you know if I make it to 85, 90, 90, you can't do anything for 80, 90 years and still be terrible. So at some point, you know, I'll cross that cross that threshold. Yeah, it's. Bo, was there anything in there that uh, you kind of? No, I couldn't find that in the list of quotes on IMDb. Yeah, it's. I remember the scene, but. Yeah, their first rehearsal. And and. Chain of Fools, Dark End of the Street. I'm trying to hear a song. Yeah. There's Mustang Sally, Take Me to the River, Chain of Fools, Dark End of the Street, Destination Anywhere, I Can't Stand the Rain, Try a Little Tenderness, Treat Her Right, Do a right, do right Woman, Do Right Man, it's, Mr. Pitiful, I Never Loved a Man, In the Midnight Hour, Bye Bye Baby, Slip Away, Hard to Handle, Grits and Groceries, I Thank You, That's why. I, that's the Way Love Is, Show Me, Saved, Too Many Fish in the Sea, Fa Fa Fa, Sad Song, Land of a Thousand Dances, Nowhere to Run, Bring It On, Man, There's a Lot of Songs, Bring It On, Home to Me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what she, yeah, I don't I have to go back and watch it. I think it's their first rehearsal. They're doing ride Sally ride. 
Roid. Roid. That's what it was. And it's like, it's like they're yes. saying like Roid. Did you say that though? And then he said no. So that's what I thought you said. Yeah. And I thought it yeah. was too. And then. Yeah. He said oh. it was. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I they wanted, he wanted like a longer eye. It's yeah. guys, it's Rye, not Roy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. There you go. That's what it was. Well, it's, it's yeah. those first few scenes too, that you get some of the, you know, you get some of the best interactions of them trying to be a band or, or learning to be a band. And, you know, you have the, uh, you know, I, without getting too specific, uh, you have the instructions on how to blow a trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, okay. I'm, again, I'm not very musical. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. It's, you know, it's Pat, funny. Is because, that how you were taught? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because like sometimes listen to me speak, like I know what I'm talking about, but I mean, it's like, like you ask any really good musician and they're able to break it down. Right. You know, I mean, they're able to break stuff down and explain, this is what I'm doing. And it's just hours and days and years of practice. Right. It's not magic. It's just a lot of hard work. Right. Like, like most things. Okay. And you'll always get those things where like to really scientifically break it down, like either physically, okay, this is what you do with your, you know, your embouchure or your this or your that or work on these drills or, you know, sometimes it's easier to fall into the more um, uh, affective kind of thing, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to spoil if anybody's seen the movie, Mr. Holland's Opus about the man director, give everyone a chance to pause this is a little bit more of a family friendly example, but you know, he's working with that one student and um, you know, the student was struggling with it and he's like, okay, what do you think of, you know, what's your whatever. And uh, Oh, well, I love the sunset. Okay. Play the sunset. And then all of a sudden everything works. And it's like, okay, it, you know, does that just a Hollywood thing? Like where you give it some like meta, you know, kind of uh, you, you speak in metaphor and, and it just, and then, you know, you want to say no, you want to be like, oh, come on, that's just Hollywood. But then sometimes, and you guys know this because you've all taught or coached or done whatever. Sometimes it's just easier to give people a picture. You know what I'm saying? And um, sometimes the picture is worth a thousand words. And, you know, so I, I haven't had anyone describe trumpet playing like in, and this guy, you know, he's telling him how to play the sax. I haven't had anyone describe it to me quite like that, but I, I could see that coming up. I remember, I'll be honest with you. I had one of my trumpet teachers one time, like I was very tense when I played and uh, it was, he's just like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta relax more. You gotta, and how do you tell someone to relax? Right. Hey, relax. That doesn't, that doesn't work. Right. So he was trying to describe it like, okay, you know, and he's like, here, here's the thing. You ever had to take a big dump? Yeah. You know how it feels when you just relax and that's what it should feel like. Just let it all out. And it was just like, okay, yeah, I can get with that reference. So, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes, sometimes the more uh, colorful, colorful descriptors, uh, you know, really work, I think. All right. Well, we, before we go into our three questions, anything else we want to say about, uh, about the commitments, I I will say now there was a there was a movie I watched a few years ago. I think not too long after it came out, that when I saw what this movie was about, I was like, oh, all right, well that's obviously a few years before. It's like twenty some years older 
than uh, the one I watched a few years ago was was like twenty some years after the commitment. So I'm like, all right, well then clearly it's got to be influenced by that. Any of you guys ever see the movie Sing Street? No, I thought you were gonna say once. Okay. Oh, I've, no, I've seen once, and that's a good one too. Yeah. Um, no, Sing Street was good, and Sing Street, and I've I, since in the last couple of days I've I've read. I was like, I wonder if there's any other connections to Sing Street. Uh, kind of the premise of Sing Street is it's, uh, it's, it's Dublin in the 80s, and it's a kid who is, I think he's about high school age, and you know, partly, partly because he wants to do something, but also I think a little bit to impress a girl, um, he tries to start a band. And so I was reading something the other day, and I mean, it, it gets really good you know, critical reviews, and, and I think it did okay. Um, I don't think it did great in North America, but I think it did pretty well in, in Ireland. Um, and uh, I, somebody the other day in, a, in an article that I read commented and said that this was the mini commitments, because it's kind of like the same type of idea, but it's also, it's like high school age kids, and it's in the... It's in like the height of the MTV era, so not only are these kids putting a band together, but they're also trying to, you know, put together their own music videos. And it's a little bit of uh, what was the movie? What was the movie where they uh, they sweeted all the other movies? Uh, Be kind, rewind. Yes, be kind, rewind. So it's a little bit like that. It's like real low budget high school kids trying to make music videos while trying to put this band together, a little bit to impress a girl that the the lead singer kind of likes and. Um, so yeah, that one's, I mean, if you like, if you like commitments, I think you might like this one too. So sing street is the name of it. I think it's, it's probably streaming somewhere, but I had seen that one a few years ago and then watching this one, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They're really, really similar. Yeah. Sing street. All right. Uh, yeah. Anything else we want to say about commitments? Actually, that looks like it's on Tubi. Oh, is it? Okay. Awesome. And Amazon prime. If you happen to subscribe to that. Okay. All right. Interesting. I'll check that out. All right. All right. Well, it is time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, question number one. What is your favorite Irish band or singer? This is tough, man. Yeah, you almost got to give a top three out of that. I don't know. Whatever. In the spirit of Jeff Mazuka, you can't just answer one. Uh-huh. <laughs> or I can, and you can still list your top three. <laughs> yeah, there you True. go. That, that would be in the spirit of Jeff Mazuka. <laughs> yes, in the spirit of Jeff, Jeff Mazuka, I can tell you I want one. You only want you one, but I'm going to give you three. Yeah. It was my understanding there would be no laugh during the debate. Us to give us our three, so it gets us off the hook. Right. It's my understanding you. there would be no math. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right. Out. I'm gonna say you two, okay. um, as as a major one, which gets mentioned in the movie as well, which mm-hmm. is funny. Um, I'm gonna say Anya. Yeah. Um, so I go into a different genre there with Anya. Um, what's the last one? I had one more that I was trying to think. 
Oh, the Pogues. I like the Pogues. There you go. I had them on my list for sure. Um, that might be it. Uh, there's at least three I'll stop there for now. And if you guys don't see any of the other ones, I'll say them. Um, it, you know, Dennis mentioned you two in the Pogues, so I'll add the Irish Rovers, the Dubliners, um, and then there's they're they're not all from Ireland currently, but the band started over there. It's it's more of a small time kind of thing. A band called Aaron Moore, um, one of Donna's cousins plays in the band. Uh, or played in the band. I don't remember the whole story, but we'll see them every once every other year or so. They'll play some local festival that we can go check out. Oh, that's cool. So we enjoy them a lot. Yeah. Patrick, what are your 20? Uh, all of them. I like all the bands. Um, if I, if I had to pick a favorite, I would say, uh, um, easily Gaelic storm. I love kind of kind of figured that would be yours. And uh you know, I mean it's and all the bands that you guys mentioned, like I mean that's the thing is like more music, more better. And um you know, they each capture a different feel and a different look and a different snapshot of you know, music as a whole through an Irish lens and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I love Gaelic storm. And first, you know, I love traditional Irish music. Um, and that'll probably bleed over into the answers to my other questions, but, uh, I love what they do where they're able to, you know, they are able to play all the traditional reels and, and Irish folk music and so forth, but then they're able to combine it with other styles of music from around the world as well as rock and, um, novelty that would almost sound like a diss but like some of their music is just fun i mean they've got some funny songs um as well so i mean good sense of humor i mean they were featured in titanic which is how they shot to fame and now they're touring all over the world and and uh i mean we've seen them tammy i mean i don't know how many you know a dozen times we've seen them got all their music uh albums the whole thing love gaelic storm great group um like i said great traditional irish music as well as modern um kind of fusion with other styles and rock and that's awesome and then if i'm going super traditional i'd have to say the clancy brothers so nice clancy brothers on real world records i think peter gabriel's label i think yeah all right john go ahead uh i would say i'm going to repeat some of the ones you guys have said um i think the one um Always, always a fan of Gaelic Storm. Um, I think I, I discovered them at some point, round about the same time that you know Pat, you and I were talking about something, and I thought I thought I had done something special by you know discovering Gaelic Storm, and then I find out that like you and Roach have been going to concerts and other stuff, and I was like, oh, okay, well, great. Apparently, I'm late to the party, so that's fine. Um, no, late to the party, man. That's the uh, the other one I do enjoy, um, and uh, Sharon had started listening to this one, and, and then I kind of picked up on it was uh, the High Kings. I also like that good mm-hmm. traditional Irish music band, and so I, I I'd go with that one. Also, I Enya, like my dad really loved Enya. I think we've we've got mm-hmm. maybe all of her albums, and um, you know that's if uh, if ever need a 
just a, a quiet moment to just concentrate on things or something to put on when falling asleep at night, it's always going to be Enya. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, I'm not saying you missed, but I'm saying because we could have gone with a longer list. Um, surprise, nobody, I thought some that would have come up, I'll try to go in order, uh, Van Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, the Irish. You got uh, the cranberries would be on was close to my list. The cranberries, mm-hmm. um, the chieftains. Yeah, the chieftains. The yes. chieftains. Yeah, my Go dad. On. My dad used to play uh, James Galway all the time. The okay. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. Like you're saying, the chieftains. My family would play that all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, John, you just mentioned James Galway. My mom loved James Galway. Yeah. Albums, autograph, the whole thing, and yeah. And then um, for me, also one that I would put I was close to is uh, Snow Patrol. Snow Patrol is Irish. Oh, yeah. They were like my number four or five that I. Right on. Yeah. Did did anyone mention. Hozier, as you said, Hozier. Yeah. Donna really likes likes him. Yeah. Anybody mention Coors? Well, well, we mentioned him earlier, but we didn't mention it just now. No. Yeah. We mentioned him for the movie, but the Coors, yeah, there's some. Bob Geldof is technically, but I don't really, I'm not a big, I don't know. I don't really listen a lot about Geldof, but other than back with the Boomtown Rats. But. Yeah. Boomtown Rats. There you go. I got to, I got to try and find, there was a point in time where I was like, I, I was trying to find both Irish and Scottish. I think it was mostly leaning towards Scottish, but I was like, I'm going to find like a Scottish rock or heavy metal band. <laughs> and I was having a little bit of trouble finding something that, you know, was, not uh, not as far as like Swedish death metal where you're just growling into a microphone. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. Having a little um, bit of trouble finding those. So if you guys know of any like good uh, Irish or Scottish rock groups, let me know. Or if our listeners do. Okay. Um, really, yeah, I would walk 500 miles. They're Scottish, aren't they? I don't know if they're Irish. I thought they were Irish at first, but they're Scottish. Okay. Yeah. Here's the Scottish. This isn't heavy metal, though, John. If you wanted heavy metal, um, but like if you want some Scottish, like traditional Scottish with some hardcore drumming, have you heard of Clan Clan Am Drumma? I'm totally miss. Have you heard of them? Yeah. Have you listened to much of them? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's that's like you listen to that stuff, and I mean that, like you'll charge up a hill, charge through a hill after running around hills and then oh yeah yeah i mean it's like yeah that's it's not heavy metal right but um and i will say i mean because you know it's a boston band i think it's i think it's boston but the dropkick dropkick murphys yeah yeah oh yeah so i mean like uh you know that's definitely got like a celtic kind of uh now like i said they're out of boston um but what the heck, Gaelic Storm is out of Santa Monica. So, I right. mean, you know, call it what you will. But there, that's that's a good, I mean, Gaelic, or uh, Dropkick Murphys could be metal that represents all of Celtic. Yeah. You know. Finn Lizzy. Finn Lizzy's yeah. yeah. I found one on this list, uh, this one other list called the Horse Lips. Mm. <laughs> They're listed as Celtic rockers. They have the... They've taken the traditional music of Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and Brittany, and they are originally from Ireland, but they've kind of uh, reworked them into... It looks like they started back in the 70s, though, so it looks like they were, were reworked them into some rock stuff. 
Did I? I may have already forgotten. Did anyone mention? Um, oh, geez, I just had it. Flogging Molly. Oh. No, didn't mention that one. There you go. That's another yeah. one. one. I've enjoyed them. Oh, Dermot Mill, uh, Dermot um, Kennedy is also. He's a modern singer. He's like mm-hmm. a WXRT-ish type of song. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, question number two: What would be your favorite thing you've done in Ireland if you've been there? And if you have not, what would you like to do? If you if you got to go to Ireland. If you've been to Ireland, what was your favorite thing you've done? If you get to go to Ireland and you haven't been yet, what would you really like to do? Pat, is this Pat? Is this the question that earlier you texted me and you were like, <laughs> "What the heck?" Yeah, the yeah. the quote from the big old dad, bless yeah. it. Under- yeah, uh huh. Yeah, castles, <laughs> castles and tapestries, tapestries. <laughs> we have many tapestries. Uh, and if you are Irish Lord, then I am Mickey Mouse. How dare he? <laughs> okay, we're what done. What to do in Ireland? Now I'm just. What was that? I'm just giving you a chance on this one. Yeah. to say it, but you might not say it. I might not say it. No, you might not. I don't know. I thought maybe you would. I was. Go ahead. The the coolest. I mean, I'm gonna have to give you two. I mean, like, if I gotta narrow it down. I mean, the coolest thing is was meeting family, mm-hmm. right? And being able to see like the farm where it's just like, hey, your ancestors came from right over there, and here's the graveyard where your ancestors are, you know, and and you're staying with us tonight, and it's like my grandfather's second cousin, you know, like that kind of thing, and just wonderful people and like you know, slept at the farmhouse and all that kind of met the relatives. I mean, that's anytime I think you get a chance to do that, whatever it is, whether, you know, it's around the world or around the country or whatever. I mean, that's just a, a wonderful and, and humbling experience. Um, as far as the uh, 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 country itself, um, you know, God, I don't know, like, how do you list, <laughs> how do you list like a top, whatever, like top quadrillion things to do in there. I, um, going to the town of Doolin and the West coast, I, I guess it's like the music. There's a lot of great traditional Irish music in there. Um, and so that was always, that was just a wonderful part of the wonder, wonderful part of the trip. But then being in Dublin and going to the Guinness factory and walking the streets of Dublin, making the mistake of trying to drive through Dublin <laughs> and the first night, that was pretty crazy. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're just in, caught in the pouring down rain and like coming from the Guinness factory and we're just, it's just differential downpour. All of a sudden this door opens, like no windows, no, like this door opens and it's a pub and there's these guys that are like, get in here, get out of the rain. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, they're Yanks. Get in here. What are you doing? Well, I said, we're trying to get to the river, which you never say the river. You're supposed to say the Liffey. You don't say the river. And they're like the river. Look at the street. There's a river. And I'm not even trying to do <laughs> I'll that. show you a river. And they're like trying to pull us in and we're like, and at this point I'm like, I don't even know where this place is, you know? So I'm just like, we're okay. We're fine. We're just like drenched and I mean, we're all fine here. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff, all that stuff's great. So, I mean, just every part of it, the driving around the ring of Barra, walking through Dublin, um, 
Yeah. And like I said, my, my plan, like, you know, when I can cut loose and, and head out, like I'm going to live in a small cottage on the West coast of Ireland and I'm going to run the Burren trail. And there's, believe it or not, there's really, there's a good surfing beach right by Doolin. Um, and I'm going to like run the Burren trail every morning and surf the rest of the day and then go into Doolin and listen to Irish music all night. And that's it. I tried to be concise. How is that? How is everything? That's fine. That's fine. Okay. I was going to tie in one of our previous movies as soon as you said surfing. I thought you were going to walk into the, like, walk into the pub and be like, hey, Utah, give me two. <laughs> two. Hey, give me two. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I will list, because I'd love to go see it again, because, I mean, I was probably 12 when I saw it the first time, and it was cool seeing it as a 12-year-old, but... Like, I, I would love to see it again. Um, I, I remember being on the, just walking through the campus of Trinity College mm. in Dublin and getting to go to the library in particular. You know, I've cool. always I've always been a reader, but, I mean, going into that library and, and seeing that, that long room that they've got in the library that has just the, the hundreds of thousands of books in it, like, that was cool. We had seen, we had visited a few cathedrals up to that point, and I was like, all right, this is, this is pretty cool. I've never seen a library mm-hmm. like this. Which, if, if I had to guess, like looking, thinking back on it, and if I just pulled up some pictures now just to take a look at it again, um, I, I mean, it's it has to be like the inspiration for the Jedi library in, uh, you know, like Attack of the Clones. and so mm-hmm. like it, it looks almost exactly the same. You've got the long columns and the sections for the books, and then you've got all the statues kind of along the side, the busts along the sides, and... Um, yeah, just a, a very, very cool building and, and campus. and Cool. Now, the one thing I would not do, again, necessarily, <laughs> is uh, we were there the, the one time we went to Ireland. We only went to Ireland once. Um, the one time we went, part of it was my dad was kind of on a business trip. And so mm-hmm. as part of the business trip, they were doing a, a weekend thing at a um, – it was at a cricket match, and oh, man, I I loved playing cricket, but watching it, oh, yikes! Um, mm. Yeah, no. Anybody who ever says baseball is a boring and slow sport needs to go watch a three-day cricket match because mm-hmm. you don't know torture until you've tried to sit as a as a spectator at a cricket match. Mm-hmm. So that I would not do again. What about you, Dennis? What would you do? Well, first, I want to throw the uh, scenery up there. Uh, yeah. I've heard it's a great place for trail running, so mm-hmm. would love to get those. Uh, you know, like the background there is Ireland, and yeah. I'd be able to love. I, I think more of the rural areas when I think of Ireland and uh, where I want to go. I feel like it's a little bit of the almost New Zealand Lord of the Rings type of scenery. Isn't that because um, that's that's kind of where isn't that where they film like Game of Thrones and? Yeah, I believe so. I think yeah. so. I'm not sure on all those, but I know. I uh, just. Beautiful scenery. So that would be yeah. one is just to be able to get out there and do some some cool epic. There's actually a lady running in. Too. Oh, there you go. You know, so getting a getting some of that, getting a, I was going to say getting a piece of that. Um, I meant. <laughs> getting, no. Okay. Getting, all right. Getting a taste of that would be. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> uh, we'll take. You know, you know, hey, <laughs> one can dream. Uh-huh. Um, 
And then I don't even drink, but I would like to visit the world's smallest bar. I heard is there, oh. like this hmm. little this little thing. And and I and like because I, I don't drink beer, if I that would be the one place that I would go if I'm in Ireland drinking some sort of Guinness or something like that, maybe. Um, and then uh, that's I'm trying to think. That's it for. I I just I I think like there's those I like the more like that yeah like you said the whole kind of there's a certain atmosphere that I, I've never been there so I think of it as that so I kind of want to visit the things that I, I kind of stereotypically think of when I think of Ireland just experience those those flavors of the place but yeah Bo what about you <sighs> castles <laughs> I want to see all the castles um and old, like the thing I love about going there or, or anywhere overseas is all the old stuff. Like the fact that there are buildings and structures that are older than than this entire country that we live in is just awesome. I want to see old stuff. <laughs> I know that's broad, but I want to see old stuff. And if there's beer while I'm seeing old stuff, doubly good for me i'm in um but if i had to pick one thing i i need to see st james gate and the guinness brewery mm. gotta happen yeah it it does put it into, into perspective a little bit when you go to these other countries and like you end up looking at a building that's seven times older than your country is yeah you're like hello yeah. okay i understand maybe a little bit yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's what i that's what i want to see in my lifetime we're Americans. We know all about history. <laughs> I was I was gonna say in Doolin, there's a pub. It's like Gus Gus O'Connor's pub. Live music since 1614. <laughs> it's like right. Oh. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So we're we're okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. That's Understood. Cool. That's cool. <laughs> hey man, you know. Yes, that's I see it. How right there. I, I see how we're throwing down. So I'm uh, I'm you know. All right, and final question of the three questions. This may be the toughest question of all. Uh, if Cold Meany was going to be your dad, which Cold Meany role would you want to be your father? I mean, if you want him singing Elvis songs at you, it's got to be, you know, Rabbit Senior, but would would you want Chief O'Brien as your dad? Or Oh, yeah. Chief I'm Miles the- Edward O'Brien all the way. Yeah. Okay. I am Chief Miles Edward <laughs> O'Brien. This is stinking wonderful. Yes, I'm going Miles O'Brien. I, I use yeah, that. I use I'm that. With you. I use that clip from Conair regularly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Newborn babies are beautiful. This. This is fantastic. <laughs> no, it's it's not fantastic. It's spectacular. Spectacular. This yeah. is effing spectacular. Yeah. yeah. Sunsets are beautiful. Newborn babies are beautiful. Oh. Yeah, I didn't have a great answer for that one. That was a tough question for me, definitely. Because um, I, I just think of all those roles, but I'm sitting there thinking which one. Like that, what you're mentioning, you know, Connor, I didn't even, a lot of it slipped my mind, some of it. So yeah. I would have to go back through his IMDB, which I didn't get to do. And so that was a tough one for me. Well, I feel like him and Conair. Yeah, that's I just don't know. Yeah, Conair. Yeah, that's that's not the you know you don't want uh, what was his no. name Agent no. Malloy. You you don't want Agent Malloy as your dad. I don't think. No, no. No, there's a few of his characters. That you're like, oh no, 
Oh. Yeah. Like, I love his character. And, no, I would say there's a lot of no's. That's why I can't think of any, like, yeah, okay, yeah, that yeah. one. That's, that's why it's a tougher question. Like, I, I love his character in Hell on Wheels, but I'm like, that's I wouldn't want that as my dad. Because sometimes, yeah. sometimes he's, sometimes he's okay, but sometimes he's a terrible guy. Well, I think that's an interesting question that that even became a question for this. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, how do you come up with that? Did you see that question somewhere? Oh, no. Or did John think that all up himself? No, I thought that up myself. <laughs> he's been so he his, 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 movie, so his third question <laughs> randomness is, is on display lately. Uh-huh. <laughs> like like to make it random but I, I don't know i was just curious like if if one of you was like mm, i really like him in uh you remember uh, where you were when you thought of that question um what you were doing yeah i was probably telling the kids to stop fighting with each other and then when it's cole meany, it's I, maybe <laughs> If I could just leave and have Cole Meany father my children. Cole Meany <laughs> wouldn't let you get away with this crap. <laughs> right. There's no way the Chief O'Brien's putting up think, with this. I just think the question is actually, it's more interesting than my answer, but I'm just like, I think it's an interesting question about the question. Why did I come <laughs> up with it? it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know yeah. if I ever would have came up with that question ever yeah. in my life. Well, I kind of, I was, I was thinking about, well, I was thinking about this movie. I was thinking about this movie, and I was thinking about him as a dad in this movie, like, you know, constantly singing the, the Elvis songs and yeah. just as kind of like a funny, funny father figure. And I was like, yeah, but he's had a whole bunch of different roles, like, where he's not. And sometimes yeah. he's been very different. So I was like, I don't know. Is there, are there other roles like Chief O'Brien? Would you want Chief O'Brien from Star Trek as your dad? I'm like, yeah, maybe. And then maybe the question is, like, who, what kind of qualities do you want in your father figure? Mm. I mean, do you want somebody who's always going to be nice to you and beam you wherever, wherever you want to go? Or you want somebody that's going to sing you Elvis and complain about everything? <laughs> I guess we're getting a, a view right now of how that question originated, right. what it was like in the room. I Maybe. <laughs> You talking to yourself? <laughs> beam the going like a full meaning with my dad. Beam the kids somewhere else. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good, interesting, unique question. Ah, uh, you know, I I try to try to keep things spicy around here. All right. Well, I, did, did everybody give their answer? As much as you're going to give? Yeah, because I don't have as much. Yeah. Okay. No. All right. And did you, Bo? What did, did you say? Uh, did you say Chief O'Brien? Oh yeah, Chief Miles Edward O'Brien for okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I think Pat's just trying to plan his Irish vacation now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, right. Dennis. Uh, Dennis. Dennis was talking the trails, and so yeah, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> I got surprised I, you didn't go there, man. That's why I like didn't say that. Say, say uh, what was that? That's why I surprised you didn't say that. I thought you with were what say about the trails and running. I did. I said uh, every morning run the burn trail. Oh, you did say. Well, I was, but after did I bring up trail running though first or no? I well, I don't. But I don't I, yeah. you get there. I I got the trip all planned out as soon as you we're signed off you, the pod. You know which actual trail because you've been there before, so I would know. I wouldn't know where I'm going. It's 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 doesn't matter, man. Yeah. You just you it's you just go. You just go. 
I've got I've got it planned, man. I got it wired. I got websites for you. I got pics for you. Bo, who would you rather have your father be? Would you rather have Dennis or Pat? <laughs> Yikes. Hmm. I don't know. That camper looks like fun. <laughs> but both of them are going to run me way too much, so I, I don't know. <laughs> see, it's 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 the running stuff that I was just like, no. Yeah, option no. three, can I pick John? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, we'll, I feel like our our level of physical activity is more um, in tune. Bo, see, I'm I'm going to put up a virtual background of a pub, and then I'm going to make the joke. I'd love to get a piece of that. Hey, now there you go. Oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, All right. Well, I think we've I think we've kissed the Blarney Stone enough. It's probably time to get going here. I. Uh huh. All right. Well, this has been another uh, nail-biting episode of the 30-something movie podcast in which we've planned our Irish vacations. Uh, I think we've we've really really learned a lot about each other this evening. Maybe more than oh, we yes. wanted to know. More than we want to know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, uh, I mean, before uh, you wrap, I'm just going to throw in um, for people out there who uh, enjoyed the commitments, if you have not seen once, yeah, you need to see the movie once because that was the one that I have that bumped you know commitments out of that out of that genre. Uh, once just it's got that same sort of feel of like you know this it's very snore. I keep using this term, but organic uh, kind of innocent and, and is it what's it really about? Is there a bigger message? It's like you know I don't know. It's just a really good movie with a really awesome soundtrack. And ironically, it has one of the main actors is in the commitments. Glenn has um, uh, what's the name? Is it Miss Glenn uh, Hansard? Yeah. 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 Which I didn't know that he was in the commitments. I had to look back and like, oh my God, that's him really. Wow. That's different. No beard, no mustache. And I would uh I would also then throw in there Sing Street. So if you're gonna check out yeah. some of those, check out check out Once. Once is a great movie. Um mm-hmm. and then check out Sing Street too. But then definitely check out Commitments as well. So I've given you three movies to go watch. You got plenty to do this weekend. That's right. Make it happen. And I've got a print of re- I got a print of retraction. I've just looked Gus O'Connor's pub. It says established 1832. So oh. I was getting a little excited with the 1600 thing. I don't want to, you know. But I, I think your well, point was well made. But the point was, yeah. I, for all you know, there's a guy standing on that spot before there was a pub singing since 1642. So we we, we never we never know. It's Ireland. I think you just don't you just walk around singing. <laughs> Speaking of of, of 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 boiling a country down to its Disney Disneyland yeah. type, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, you can find us at 30podcast.com. We're at 30podcast on most of the different social media stuff. Uh, you can leave a voicemail there. You can vote for upcoming 1992 movies. If you go to 30podcast.com slash vote. Uh, don't forget to check out our sponsor and the rest of the shows in the Scene Stealers Retro Podcast Network by heading over to scenestealersglobal.com. Our next episode's coming up. Uh, we got our Patreon episode. If you are a, a co-executive producer on Patreon, you'll have access to the Heir to the Empire uh, Thrawn trilogy of books from 1991. We've got our review on there of those. Um, and then coming up next week, we've got Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And then uh, we finish up the month of July with Hook, and then in August, we are doing Terminator 2 Judgment Day, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, Suburban Commando, and our Patreon episode is Stripes from 1981. September, <laughs> we are doing Jungle Fever, White Fang, Dead Again, Frankie and Johnny, Beauty and the Beast, and our Patreon episode for that month is My Dinner with Andre from 1981. So 
we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, so join us on Patreon. Any level of support on Patreon gets you access to those special monthly episodes. Um, otherwise, the rest of the episodes, they are always free here on the 30 podcast podcast feed. So make sure that you're following that. Uh, subscribe to that so you've got it. And then share it with a friend if you think anybody else might enjoy talking 80s or 90s movies and just kind of uh, audibly hanging out with us for a little bit. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Dennis, it was good to have you back. Yep, good to be back. Hopefully you should be on the rest of them now, yeah. now that everything's settled down. Nice. All right. And Bo and Pat, thank you as always as well. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Well, it's great seeing you guys. Yep. All right, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. And we'll see you back here next time for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves.